This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to the Hoist the Colors podcast, an exciting post-July 4th edition of the Hoist the Colors podcast as it is a big recruiting edition once again. Again, we are in early July. Not a ton going on in terms of you know team news, all that sort of stuff. We did recently sit down with head coach Mike Houston. You can hear that from a couple weeks ago where we had a nice in-depth depth chart look and really talked about the team's culture, the depth, the roster, all that sort of stuff, but we are talking recruiting today. I'm Steven Igo, the host of this podcast, Flying Solo. It's going to be a relatively short one. Uh, We are going to break down the newest commitment publicly of the 2022 class. He's actually been committed a while behind the scenes, but as you guys know, guys sometimes like to wait for specific dates to make their announcements known. Jacob Sacra, a three-star offensive lineman, has committed to ECU, and the significant thing about Jacob is he is the highest-rated commitment for an offensive lineman in the 24-7 sports composite era, which is a pretty big deal. We'll get more into that, uh, what he brings to the table, his upside, the fact that he's the fifth offensive lineman already committed. What does that mean for East Carolina going forward? Does that mean they're done on the offensive line? Do they still look for another difference maker potentially? So we'll continue to break that down. We'll also talk about the other two most recent commitments. Another offensive lineman, Tyler Leinberger, I believe is how you pronounce it. And then linebacker Zakai Barker, who honestly might be my favorite commitment of the 2022 class thus far. So we've got a lot to get into. ECU now with 12 overall commitments for the 2022 class. These were the 12 that we were telling you about. Last time on the podcast, I think around a little bit more than a week ago, we were saying, hey, we've got nine reported on 24-7 Sports. There were three silent commitments. Of course, they've now come to light in the two offensive linemen and then also Barker, the linebacker. So we kind of broke down the other nine guys on our previous podcast. So we will talk about these three in particular. And let's first Focus on Sacra, who as of now is the highest rated offensive line uh, commitment of the 24-7 sports composite era for East Carolina. Also the highest rated commitment of the class. Only two of the guys, J.D. Lampley, the defensive tackle from Richmond and Rockingham, North Carolina, and Jacob Sacra are showing up as rated if you go to the ECU commitment page. Now the reason for this is because 24-7 Sports changed this model a couple years ago. There was a whole fiasco where there was some guy who basically catfished the entire recruiting uh, industry and, you know, was just tweeting out, hey, I've got these offers from this school, that school, uh, etc. 
And then everyone made him a profile with these offers and rivals actually raided him despite him not being a real person. And because at that time, uh, 24-7 sports had it set up to where all you needed was run one single ranking to have a 24-7 sports composite score, which shows up on the commitment page. Uh, that person showed up as rated on 24-7 sports. 24-7 sports, of course, never evaluated him because he wasn't a real person. Um so that just kind of shows you some of the stuff that goes into the rankings process at times. But uh, either way, they changed the formula to where you need multiple evaluations now for prospects. So just because, let's say, 24-7 Sports, for example, has a, a 24-7 Sports is a three-star grade on CJ Mims, but Rivals or ESPN, which is the other two components as of now of the composite rankings, Neither of those have rated Mims, so therefore he he shows up as unrated. And you've got, uh, I think, another guy, Ethan Lang, for example, at three-star per 24-7 sports, but unrated by the other two recruiting services right now. So uh, these guys will get rated as the process goes along. You know, typically 24-7 sports, uh, they release. I get a lot of questions about, hey, when are these guys going to get rated? When are they going to get rated? When are we going to get some respect? All that sort of stuff. Uh, 24-7 Sports does one ratings update every single month. And I'm not sure what the date is for July. Usually it's around the middle of the month or so. I have submitted a number of these guys for evaluation. I will continue to submit uh, them uh, for evaluation. I don't have uh, much control over what they get rated. I've got my own personal opinion about that. And at some point I'll go through and I'll grade and give out my own personal grade for each of these guys. Uh, but... You know, the reason you're seeing so many guys unrated right now is they just haven't been evaluated yet by the other industries and by 24-7 sports to an extent. So uh, a lot of these guys were players who emerged during the camp season and so really our national guys and our regional analysts, they're more focused on, you know, the four or five stars currently and then as these guys get discovered and our guys get some more downtime, they'll go back and watch film, kind of check in with their sources to get these guys rated. So uh, they'll get rated eventually. It's not like EC is going to have 10 unrated commitments in the recruiting class come signing day. They will get rated. I'll have some influence as far as uh, kind of my feedback on them for the guys I've seen live and, and from the sources I've talked to, but it's ultimately up to our national and regional analyst team to uh, to eventually rate them. So let's start with, uh, in terms of these individual breakdowns, with uh, Jacob Sacra. He is a three-star offensive lineman from St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. He is actually a native of Virginia, uh, attended Madison County High School in Virginia before going to St. Francis ahead of his junior season. And Jacob is a, a very talented young man. Uh, Six, we got him listed at 6'5", 295. He was every bit of that during his official visit, if not bigger, from the sources I talked to. Just showed up a uh, huge, huge human being in very good shape as well. Of course, can get stronger. Um, but he landed a lot of early offers. You know, His sophomore year film was very impressive. Uh, Boston College, Liberty, Maryland, Old Dominion, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Virginia were among the schools that offered Jacob Sacra. 24-7 Sports has him rated as a uh, mid-to-high three-star. The composite has him rated currently as the 621st best player nationally, 55th best offensive tackle, and the 15th best prospect in Maryland, of course, because he's now at St. Francis Academy. 
So, uh, again, a highly rated guy, a big guy. You know, so often East Carolina has had to take these, you know, 6'5", 260-pound offensive linemen out of high school and then develop them, give them two to three years to add strength, to try to get the 300 pounds to where they can compete at this level. And, and what you're seeing in this class is really, for the most part, all these guys are 290 to around 300 pounds, uh, I think samples out of Georgia is listed at 270, so I have to put on some weight. But more times than not, most of these guys already have the necessary size. It's more just now about, hey, how are they going to redefine, redevelop their bodies, and refine their skills? So you're getting some big quality size and some very good players in the trenches. And uh, if Steve Shankweiler has seen an offensive lineman in person and evaluated him, I trust his opinion 100%. He's been doing this a long time. He knows what traits an offensive lineman needs to succeed at ECU, what traits they need to win in this American Athletic Conference now that he's coached in this league firsthand for a couple years. So, uh, and Sacred, of course, was evaluated by ECU on film, and then he took the official visit, and he was always near the top of the board for the Pirates. Just a very talented lineman out of uh, the Virginia, Maryland area. And, you know, for ECU, this is a, a, a big... This is a big addition. You know, you can say what really the stars and rankings and all that mean. Well, in terms of momentum on the recruiting trail, uh, you can now go out and say, hey, we landed our highest rated commitment at, at the offensive line in 20 years. You know, the 24-7 sports composite goes back to 2000 in terms of when we've compiled the data from all the ranking services. And uh, that's a long time for ECU. Typically, you, you get some more unheralded, under-the-radar offensive line prospects, and there's nothing wrong with that that you have to develop and build up. But in Saker, you're getting a pretty talented player already. And now, of course, you're going to just have to refine his game. Um, you know, we'll see what position he ultimately ends up at. You know, I watched his sophomore film from when he was in Virginia and actually thought he showed a little bit more explosiveness and better footwork when working at tackle uh, there as a sophomore compared to when he was a junior at St. Francis Academy. They actually had him working at guard and center. Uh, we'll see what he ultimately ends up at at ECU. You know, I think he's got the potential to play tackle. We'll see how his feet are once he gets here. Uh, he's obviously got the size and the length, but um, uh, just a quality offensive line prospect. The more of these guys you sign, the better. You can figure out where they fit best once they get here. But now five offensive linemen as we get into um, our, our second commitment on the offensive front here in a second. But really, uh, really big addition with the – uh, pickup of Jacob Sacra for the Pirates. All right, on to our next commitment. Uh, again, I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce this. I need to check in with them. But Tyler, either Lineberger or Leanberger from Thomasdale in Chester, Virginia. Another guy who was a silent commitment for a while ended up making his decision uh, over the weekend during his official visit in late June, but announced his commitment on July 1st. And another quality uh, sized offensive lineman, you know, in the 6'4 to 6'5 range, around 305, 310 pounds. You know, really impressed with his his uh, ability on film to just absolutely get out in the running game, get in front of folks, push them back. I mean, really talented individual in the running game. You know, only had offers on paper from Campbell, UMass, and Richmond. Another guy who was really, you know, you look at his sophomore year film, was not fully developed not uh, you know 100% impressive, but then his jump from his sophomore to his junior year film was uh, pretty dramatic. And I can see, you know, you got to remember that Virginia uh, high school did not play in the fall, so really, 
you only had a few months to evaluate this guy, and he played this spring, his junior season at Thomasdale, and really, I thought, made a huge leap. You know, obviously a Division One prospect based on his film, and then he came and worked out at ECU and impressed, uh, you know, with his measurables, with his movement. And again, if Coach Shankweiler likes what he sees in person, I like what I'm hearing. So uh, he ends up committing to ECU as kind of a guy who maybe didn't get noticed a lot nationally, but I think is a guy that can really develop in time, you know. He told me that uh, he believes Shankwire sees him as more of kind of a guard at this stage. You know, again, a guy who could probably play uh, tackle potentially, but probably, you know, he's got the length or he's got the build at 6'5", 305 to maybe play tackle. But in terms of his, you know, you look at his upper body and just the way it, it it's kind of top heavy a little bit on film, he probably fits more as a guard in terms of his overall build. But another guy that you don't, you don't complain when you get that size and you get him here, you see how he develops, you see how his footwork comes along, you see how his body changes, um, and we'll see see where it goes from here. I mean, there's always guys that you project as tackle or guard, they spend a year or two in the program and get even more athletic um, or, or and change their bodies for the better. Uh, so I think uh, we'll see what happens with him long-term, but another guy who moves well for his size uh, adds some different uh, skill sets up front with uh with his addition also with sacra and then you look at the other two offensive linemen you know ethan lang probably more of a true center can play guard he comes from img academy uh and then eli samples from georgia again probably a more athletic tackle type in terms of his build and omari allen uh, from vance county uh, just a huge body at six five three ten so all of a sudden you're adding these different skill sets but all of them have good size good length and uh, in, a, in a case like Lang, you're getting a guy from a premier IMG Academy, which is arguably the top pro, uh, prep program in the high school ranks. So uh, just a really good offensive line haul. Now the, the issue will be, can you keep all these guys? And if you can do that, you feel really good with the five offensive linemen that you will uh, end up signing in December. So as far as the offensive line class going forward, again, I feel like if you can keep these five, you're more than happy. I'm sure Steve Shankweiler is tickled to death right now. Um, you know, there are other guys, I guess, on the board in terms of the offensive line. One of those guys was Isaiah Montgomery, who ended up signing with, uh, or ended up not signing, committing to Pittsburgh. And so that was a, a guy that ECU probably would have made room for if he would have tried to come to ECU, you know, he visited in June, but ended up committing to Pittsburgh. You've got some other guys on the board, but right now I feel like ECU is pretty set with those five. So we'll see how it transpires. If you get another can't-miss prospect, of course, you probably make room on the offensive front. But I definitely like where this class sits on the offensive line right now. Probably, as it stands today, maybe the best offensive line and recruiting class I've covered. Now we'll see how they develop and see how their senior year looks. But uh, time will tell, but very promising start for the offensive line class in 2022. All right, our other uh, recruitment commitment that we need to talk about is Zakai Barker. Just a guy that, man, I love this kid's film. I don't care what size he is, how tall he is. This guy is just a football player. And, you know, he was a guy that East Carolina offered pretty early. I can't remember the exact date. Let's see if I can find it on his profile. We reported the offer, I want to say, let's see if this thing will load. Yep, in February. Okay, February 17th. 
And ECU really liked him on film, but they wanted to get him on campus, kind of see how big he was in person. Because in this day and age in recruiting, especially during the pandemic, nobody really knew, hey, this guy's listed at 5'11 or 6 foot. Maybe he's 5'8. Maybe he's 5'9. I mean, there's a corner that uh, just committed to an- another regional school that I think is listed at 5'10 or 5'11. And he measured in somewhere at 5'7, 5'8. So y- you just can't take all those things as they are. But uh, Barker came to ECU, actually measured in pretty good, 5'11", 228 pounds. But the most impressive thing about Barker from Norcross High School in uh, Georgia was just his ability to move at near 230 pounds. Good change of direction, you know, good-looking body, just a guy that looks like a linebacker. So what if he's a little short? Uh, and probably if he were three two to three inches taller might have a ton of offers and probably wouldn't even be able to come to ECU. So this is a guy that I really like, just a football player. He does it all for Norcross, which is a pretty, pretty dang strong program in Georgia. Um, can, you know, play closer to the line of scrimmage, can play off the line of scrimmage and coverage, come on blitzes as an outside linebacker. He's just like a heat seeking missile. Uh, Really good intelligence, which gives him strong instincts on the field because he kind of knows how to read opposing offenses. He knows how to diagnose plays, slip through the hole, make a tackle. Uh, Very good tackler when he gets there. If there's an opportunity for a big hit, like if it's in the, you know, if a guy's catching a pass over the middle or if he's got some help behind him, he'll go for the big hit. But if he's just trying to make a tackle, like in the open space, he hits low and he wraps up. So just a guy that understands the game is smart, intelligent, he'll have the ability to play multiple positions defensively because of his versatility and intelligence. Um, and I think they're going to slot him in at wheel linebacker, which is kind of that uh, spot that you need more athleticism as an inside linebacker to begin with. You know, long-term, we'll see where he ends up. But I think he's a great fit for Blake Harrell's defense. You know, height be damned. I just think he's an absolute football player. You look at the rest of his offers list, uh, Air Force, Army, Bowling Green, Buffalo, Dartmouth, Georgetown, Georgia Southern, Harvard, Georgia State, Liberty, Navy, UPenn, Princeton, Richmond, Tulane, Wofford. So again, a guy that has a, you know, Memphis was showing some interest as well. A guy that had some AAC interest, Ivy League interest, which speaks to his intelligence, uh, 3.8 GPA, he plans to enroll early in January, which will be beneficial for his future as a linebacker. So I'm really high on Barker. I don't know what he'll get rated, but, I mean, if you watch his film, I don't know how you 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 can't fall in love with this guy as a football player. He just does it all, and I think long-term he's got a very bright future. He'll definitely need to come in and develop, learn the defense, uh, but you do, if you're ECU, you lose – Bruce Bivens and Aaron Ramsour after this year. We'll see what Xavier Smith does as a fourth-year junior. He's draft eligible and probably has the measurables and, and size to maybe get a look at the next level. Uh, you have Jacoby Simpson coming back, Taylor Jackson coming back, a couple other guys as well. But Barker's the guy, if he enrolls early, I think could could see the field in some capacity as a freshman. So he's your first linebacker uh, committed as far as inside linebackers go. Of course, you're still waiting on Taylor Love from Alabama, who officially visited along with Barker in late June. Uh, I think Love wants to wait a little bit before making the decision, but is another guy that's very high on East Carolina overall. So uh, I like where this class sits currently with 12 commitments. I think DB is a 
uh, an area that you will see the Pirates focus on along with the running back going forward. There's a few guys in particular, Isaiah Brown-Murray, who is a uh, top corner target out of uh, Huff High School in the uh, uh, Cornelius, North Carolina area, and also Gumbo Gaskins, who's a highly recruited kid who made a a ton of waves during camp season out of Hapeville Charter in Atlanta, Georgia, former teammate of uh, Malik Fleming, or at least Malik used to go to Hapeville Charter, so you have that connection there. Uh, those two guys in particular, uh, Gaskins, very versatile DB, Brown Murray, a guy that uh, just got an offer from Louisville. App State is on pretty hard as well. Gaskins has a a ton of big schools after him, just visited Kansas State. But both those guys are, are, are two extremely high uh, DBs on the board, Antonio Watts from Georgia and Emmanuel McNeil Warren from Florida, two other safeties to watch. So uh, you've got those guys. And then, of course, at running back, you're going to see a ton of names, I think, emerge because there's still a good chance ECU tries to take two running backs in the 2022 class. Uh, unfortunately, they did miss on Terry Moore from Washington, one of the few guys who did not commit during the official visit weekend in late June. He ended up popping to Duke. Uh, that education, I think, swayed him a little bit. Uh, would have been nice to keep the local product home, but he elects to go to Duke. And uh, you've lost uh, two two running backs, really, in your own backyard, and Michael Allen to NC State and Terry Moore to Duke. But um, I will say there are still some difference-making running backs on the board, and so we'll see which of those guys is able to come in for a visit, potentially commit later on this summer or fall. You're probably looking at... Another visit weekend in late July, from what I understand, the goal is to get maybe a few more commitments on board. It's a dead period right now, I think through July 24th, 25th. I don't know the exact date offhand. But uh, at that time, from now until then, it's a dead period, which means no visits in person. It becomes a quiet period for a few days in late July, which means you can have on-campus visits. So you'll see some more guys ideally return to campus at that time that you can push for commitments right before their senior season. Because once August gets going, it's preseason camp for college football teams, and then the attention kind of turns to the coming season and getting your team ready for App State if you're East Carolina or South Carolina and Marshall. So um, ideally you'd like to have a, a number of this number of the guys locked up going into August, which – Fortunately, right now, ECU does in terms of uh, getting all those commitments in late June and early July. So really strong start for the Pirates to the 2022 class. That'll do it for our football 2022 class discussion. Before we get out of here, just want to touch briefly on the basketball front. ECU has actually had a couple of transfer commitments in the last few weeks. We have not really discussed them on this podcast, I'm hoping to, at some point here shortly, have a basketball-centric podcast where we can dive more into that, but still efforting to try and get Joe Dooley and in front of him for an interview to kind of finalize a lot of this stuff. But the Pirates have picked up a big commitment from Vance Jackson, who is a transfer from Arkansas. I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a minute. Of course, the Pirates already have a commitment from Winston Tabbs, who is a, uh, a big transfer from Boston College. I think he committed back in February or March, but he's been on board a while. And then ECU heavily in the mix for Alonzo Frank, a 6'8 forward out of South Carolina, who, uh, per my sources, very likely heading to ECU uh, to conclude his college career. Jackson, to me, is a very interesting player. 
This will actually be his fourth school at the Division One level. He started at UConn, where he posted uh, really good numbers to begin with. Then Jackson transferred to New Mexico, where he posted even better numbers, averaged 13.1 points per game in 2018-19, to 19, and then 11.1 points per game in 2019-30. to 30, Shot uh, well over 30% from three-point range both times. And then... Both seasons, excuse me. And then he went to Arkansas, tried his hand in the SEC for a very good program. Playing time was diminished there. 11.6 minutes per game, 3.8 points per game. Shot 36% from three-point range. So a 6'9", 230-pound senior who has one year left on his fourth school, you know, probably has something to prove after not playing as much as he anticipated last year at Arkansas. But there's no doubting this guy's raw ability. You know, he's listed, again, 6'9", 230, probably more of kind of a guard skill set at the forward position, so really a stretch four that could be able to come in and play, shoot from the outside, which ECU has missed. Of course, Jaden Gardner, huge loss for the program, but wasn't really a three-point threat. So you bring in Vance Jackson, and then assuming this Alonzo Frank thing finalizes, you're adding a a forward in the 6'7", 6'8", range at 250 to 260 pounds. Kind of a more of a banger in the paint is Frank. And uh, he was a three-star prospect from New Jersey before he went to South Carolina. Of course, uh, Joe Dooley has uh, excellent ties up in that area in the Northeast where he grew up. And when Frank was a a healthy and on-the-court player, was pretty efficient. In 2019-20, he played in 30 games, 14.3 minutes per game, averaged 5.3 points, and 3.7 rebounds, shot 60% from the field. So those are pretty efficient numbers, even in a reserve role. Last year was likely looking at a bigger role, averaged 3.3 points and 3.7 rebounds in three games across 19 minutes per game. And then, unfortunately, Frank succumbed to uh, the COVID-19 virus and had some complications from what I understand, and then was basically shelved the rest of the season. So... Um, a guy who has ability, kind of a bigger body in the paint that should be able to play the five, the four. You can do some different things with him. It, it will take some pressure off Luigi Debo, really the only being really the only big. As Frank will be able to go in there, play a lot, uh, bang around a little bit, give you some rebounds, score in the paint, do some different things. So all of a sudden, you add Frank, you add Jackson, you add Tabs, you have Tristan Newton coming back. You've got Brandon Suggs coming back. It looks like J.J. Miles might be back as well. You add some intriguing commitments in terms of R.J. Felton, Alexis Reyes, uh, Tay Mosher, Javon Small, Jaquan Scott, and Marlon Lesson. And you've got a team that is suddenly fairly interesting. Again, I don't know how good this team is going to be, but you've got some pieces. You've got a ton of guards. Uh, You've got a proven all-conference guy when he's going well in Tristan Newton. Uh, You've got... Winston Tabbs, who was one of the better three-point shooters in the uh, ACC earlier in his career. You've got Vance Jackson, who's a talented kind of a swing forward type of guy who can really step out and hurt you. And then you add a big uh, with with a bigger body and the ability to play in the paint and Frank. So we'll see how these things transpire. Again, Frank coming back from basically a year off, we'll see if he's cleared and good to go. But I doubt ECU would be taking him if so. And then Jackson, of course, saw limited playing time last year, but earlier in his career was very productive. Tabs coming back from a, a knee injury early in his career. So it's far from a slam dunk, all these additions, and all of them have to mesh well. But on paper, you suddenly have a pretty intriguing roster on the basketball front for Joe Dooley. 
And uh, we'll see how it all transpires in time, but there is at least some hope. Earlier this offseason, once Jaden Gardner left, there was very little hope as uh, it really was un- unknown how the roster would turn out. But with these additions, I-, I think you've got some upside with this roster, and-, and a lot of it will depend on chemistry and kind of how the health of the team goes. But we'll see how it transpires going forward. So there's your recruiting update on the basketball and on the football front. Again, wanted to just have a quick update for you after the additions of uh, Sacra and uh, the two guys earlier this uh, or over the weekend as well. And then, of course, on the basketball front, touch on that. Hoping to have a basketball-centric podcast soon. Uh, Again, we'll continue to dive more into football as July rolls along. Uh, Thanks to all our new subscribers. we got a ton of new people signed up on Hoist of Colors. We had a special at the end of June. Hope you guys are enjoying the uh, recruiting content, the VIP content. We'll continue to roll that out heading into preseason camp in August. Uh, we just started our transfer uh, expectations piece. I did DJ Ford today on Tuesday as the first in that series where we're going to kind of look back at what pre- what the transfers have done at their previous institutions, what their expectations are at ECU going into the 2021 football season. So, And we'll do that for basketball as well as we get closer to basketball season. So a lot to look forward to on Hoist of Colors here as we roll through July. And I appreciate you guys all tuning in. Again, we'll be back with you soon, probably with some more recruiting talk, with some more football talk soon. We'll be diving into uh, position previews as well as opponent previews on Hoist the Colors and on the Hoist the Colors podcast as well. Maybe get some interviews with former players throughout this month as well. But that'll do it for this edition of the Hoist the Colors podcast. Thank you guys for listening in. We will talk to you next time. afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.